A very warm welcome to Fly to Freedom, an eating disorder recovery podcast that aims to give hope and inspiration to others trapped in the dark prison of an eating disorder. To reach out and take steps to recover and fly to freedom and peace. I'm Julia Trahane, your host, an eating disorder recovery coach who is now living in freedom after 40 years of anorexia, orthorexia and exercise addiction. My mission is to give love and support to anyone who feels ready to start their recovery journey. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I'm very grateful to you for being here. Please like, follow and rate it to enable me to reach others who need help. Right, let's get on with today's episode. Just before we go into today's episode, so many people have asked me about my recovery and just how I managed to recover after 40 years of an eating disorder. If you are living in an eating disorder, I don't need to tell you that recovery is hard. You already know that. Unfortunately, many people try to recover by using their willpower to fight against the ED voice. This often ends up leaving you feeling exhausted, overwhelmed and stuck, living in the stress response. By choosing instead to surrender to the fact that the voice is there and having compassion for yourself in the moment will enable you to operate from the parasympathetic nervous system, which allows you to heal, grow and develop more helpful strategies. Because of this, I'm feeling called to offer for free a full week of recovery coaching that includes two one-to-one coaching sessions on Zoom, plus unlimited WhatsApp support for the entire week. This will give an opportunity to discover a path to recovery and the route to return to self-love without the exhausting battle with the ED voice. I totally believe that anyone can recover and I believe in you. This is something that I've chosen to do totally free because everyone deserves a chance to find peace and freedom that recovery brings to you. If this is calling to your heart and you'd like to see what recovery coaching is all about, Head to my bio on Instagram and click on the link. You've got this and I've got you. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Fly to Freedom, an eating disorder recovery podcast. I'm super excited because today we have Abby Hegney as a guest coming to talk to us. So Abby is a board certified health and mindset coach. After 20 plus years of battling with her own inner mean girl, struggling with her relationship with food, her body and movement. She now helps women to quiet their inner mean girl and feels healthier and more confident than ever before. Hello, Abby. So pleased to have you here. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. Right. I'd like to start off with some like icebreaker questions. So are you ready for them? I am ready. Awesome. Right. Um, let's start with if you were a breed of dog, what would you be? Oh, a Bernese Mountain dog. Oh, wow. Why is that? Because uh, that's what I know. We've had three of them. And I just I think they're the goofiest, funnest dogs. <laughs> Amazing. Actually, my dog, Evie, she's the biggest flirt you can ever imagine in the world. And she has a boyfriend who's 10 years younger than her who is a Bernese mountain dog I really? keep telling her she's far too old but she loves him 
Yeah, she's squeaks. They're so lovable. They're so lovable. I mean, we always tell them, everyone that we've had, we're like, oh, you have rocks for brains. So besides that part, I think I would want to be one. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And when you were a child, what did you most want to be when you grew up? A teacher. Oh, wow. Of any particular age or subject or just a teacher? Just a teacher. Yeah. We used to play school. My friends and I used to play school a lot in our bedrooms. You know, we had the, this is dating me, right. But like the chalkboards and, you know, we have like somebody sit down and they were the student and then somebody was the teacher. And I always wanted one of those pull down maps. (laughs) I always wanted a globe, you know, like a spinny globe. I thought they were so cool. Okay. Um, what is your favorite smell? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Most people are going to think this is really gross, but I love the smell of low tide. Oh, wow. Yeah. It just, I grew up, I've always lived near the water and it just reminds me of home. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. And that's such a lovely reason. Yeah. Um, right. Has a book ever changed your life? And what book? Oh, changed my life. Um, you know what book I love that I think has provided such a great perspective and it sits on my desk, which is why I'm looking over here, um, is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. It Big just, Magic. Big Magic. I haven't heard of that. I would jot Uh, that down. Yes, get it. It's very much in line with what I believe and what I coach on just in terms of looking for an alternative perspective and being able to do that and really honing the skill of doing that can really change your life. And it's not about being like a positive poly. It's about just looking for something that makes it a little bit better, or that reminds you that you can get through whatever it is that you're going through. But it's a fantastic book. Amazing. I get what you mean about the positive poly thing, because sometimes this positivity can actually be quite toxic, can't it? Mm -hmm. Because it seems so unachievable. You can't go from hating your body to loving your body just because you tell yourself you do. There's so many more steps in between. Yes. Yes. Um, okay, one last question. Hmm. If you had a magic wand mm-hmm. and you could change one thing about the world, but only one, what would it be? Um, that women realize their confidence. We felt the confidence that's within them. Awesome. Because we are powerful. Yes. And it's, it's funny, my daughter, she's five. Is it okay if I tell this really quick little story? Um, So my daughter is five and she just learned how to ride her bike. And it was one of those things we took her down to the park one morning and she was scared to do it. And my daughter like, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. And she's like, no, I want to. So she got up on her bike and my husband was holding her and off, off she went. And so a couple of days later, um, I think I was talking maybe to my mom on the phone and I said something about uh, my daughter riding her bike and my daughter just looked at me and she's like, mommy, it's like, it was hidden in me the whole time. And I was like, hidden? She's like, yeah, like I always knew how to ride a bike and it was just hidden. 
And I think that's exactly what it is with women and feeling confident. We all have it. It's just for some of us, it's hidden farther down that it makes us believe like it's not there. And I was like, yes, baby girl, you're right. It was just hidden and you just needed to find it. And now she's like riding all over town. But I think as soon as women realize that they have it and they're able to just pull it up another layer, they know that it's there and they have that confidence to keep pulling it up. And that's not like the confidence of like, I'm the shit and I'm going to walk into this room and everybody's going to love me. It's just that, that confidence of, I belong in this room. Yes. That can make a huge difference. That's beautiful. And what struck me from that story is you said your daughter was scared, but it's from fear that comes the growth, isn't it? That's how we grow. Yes. Because if, if, if nothing changes, nothing changes, we've got to feel the fear and then we grow and then we move forwards. Yeah. And make the decision to, to take a step, to do something differently, to try. And I don't even like to use the word try because I mean, it's, and I'm not a Star Wars fan, but you really are. You're either going to do it or you're not doing it. Like there's not really a try. It's just about going to make the decision to take a step closer to where you want to be, where you believe that you can be. And she did. She got back up on her bike. She was scared. She fell down, right? She wobbled. But eventually she got it. Now there's no, like, she's like taken off down the street now. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, so proud of her. Oh, so after that beautiful story, what's your daughter called? Uh, Kaylin. Kaylin. Oh, lovely. After that beautiful story, can you tell us your story? Um, why do you do what you do? What led you to this place? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'll start with where I am. I'm a health and mindset coach and I, help women to find that confidence in their, their body and who they are and the decisions that they make and to feel healthier, more confident, just being exactly who they were meant to be. And I do that by quieting that inner mean girl, which I believe from my experience and from what I see with my clients is the reason that that confidence gets shoved down, that we have negative relationships with food and with our body and with movement. And for me, that started when I was 12 years old. I was in gymnastics. Um, me and my best friend, we would go to practice together. We loved it. It was my happy place. Um, and I had a coach one day make a comment about being careful not to gain weight. Gymnasts were supposed to be small. Uh, and I don't I I know I don't believe that he had any ill intent by it like I want to believe that I do believe that I just think that was something that he had probably grown up with himself and anyway I I will say that I think if he made this comment to a hundred little girls 95 of them may not have heard it thought anything of it gone about their way but for me and a handful of others it really impacted us. And that impact for me was 20 years of looking in the mirror and beating myself up, criticizing my body day in and day out. Um, Food became good or bad. There was no in-between. Movement became punishment for eating things that I shouldn't have or seeing a number on the scale that I didn't want to see. And it was this negative cycle that 
for me at such a young age, I just thought that this was normal. I thought this is what women and girls did. I thought we watched what we ate. I thought we ate as little as possible. I thought we tried to stay small. I thought that we always just beat ourselves up and didn't like our bodies. And I didn't realize that I was the unhealthy one, you know, on the outside, I, I was doing all the things, right. I was eating all the healthy foods. I was, you know, going for runs. Like I thought I was the healthy one, but I was so unhealthy in the way that I was treating my body in the way that I was treating my, my life, right. I was in this obsession that I couldn't really enjoy what was happening around me. If I was with friends, I was looking at what they looked like and comparing like how they looked versus how I looked and how could I look more like them or what were they eating and what was I eating? If, you know, we went to a birthday party, like God forbid there was a cake there and I would start worrying about, well, I can't eat that cake. Can't possibly enjoy that. And it was just this really negative cycle of always trying to make up for something and to be different. And I, I was like that until I got pregnant with my son who is now almost nine. And I realized when I found out that I was pregnant, that I was going to have to do something I'd spent the majority of my life avoiding. And that was to gain weight. And it was really scary for me because I wanted to gain weight. I wanted to be pregnant. I wanted a healthy pregnancy. I wanted a healthy baby, but I also didn't know how to do that. And to be able to look at the number on the scale, like increasing, I didn't want that to send me down to an even darker place. Um, And so really I was able to get out of that through coaching. And by realizing that our health is so much more than food and movement. Our health is about feeling good in our bodies and in our lives and recognizing how unique we all are. And for me, it wasn't about the meal plan or the workout routine. I had binders of those, right? For me, it was about recognizing that voice that was inside of me and what that voice had been telling me. And when I had all of those thoughts, how did that make me feel? And what was that pattern of actions that was really driving this cycle of a result where I was never happy with my body. And so I knew that if I had done all of these things and I wasn't happy with my body, something needed to change. And that something was, I first had to become aware of the stories that I had been telling myself. And I think this can be the hardest part for a lot of us is to be honest with ourselves. And those stories can feel so true, right? Like I thought it was the fact of the world <laughs> that I didn't like my body, that my body should be different. You know, my stomach should be smaller. My legs should be thinner. I should be taller. I shouldn't eat this. Like I thought that was what was true, but they're just sentences in your head. And yes. when you can recognize those sentences and become aware of them, you can start to release the judgment that those sentences had. And that was the work for me. I had to bring my awareness to them and have compassion for them and then release that judgment and allow myself to start writing them. And that worked 
changed everything for me. Oh, that's amazing. And I'm so, so pleased you're in the good place now. Yeah, yeah me too. And, you know, it's, it's about me, but it's also about everybody around me. When I was beating myself up, people didn't get a very good version of me. Even if I was there, I was only half there, right? Because half of my mind was in a place of comparison and judgment and beating myself up and all of these things. And so, especially with my kids, like I want them to have all of me. And even if I never uttered a comment about my body or about food, they pick up on things. A hundred percent. That example. Yeah. Yeah. So much. And um, what you said about a fact of the world, it Mm. really, I don't actually know very many women at all that don't constantly think that their body and how it looks is the most important thing about them. That feel that they have to conform to a societal ideal that is literally lining the pockets of big industries and big business Mm -hmm. like so much and they're bent they're profiting from our insecurities yeah yeah and we've been brought up to believe that we're wrong and we have to change ourselves to be good enough to be to fit in to be worthy to be Mm -hmm. acceptable in society yeah and society's ideals I think statistically, it's less than 5% of women will naturally fit in to the societal ideal body standard. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. It's just unachievable for 95% of the female population. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's a similar thing for men as well nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. And yet that confidence like we talked about with that story with my daughter, confidence can only be found from ourselves. Yes. Yeah, I think- It's not found in the magazines or social media. It's found within ourselves. And so I think to recognize if you're not feeling confident in who you are, and that, again, that doesn't mean you have to be off the charts confident. That just means that you don't hate yourself, right? (laughs) Like you said- We don't go from hating ourselves to loving ourselves. And that was part of my process too. Like I couldn't love my body. I'd spent 20 years hating it. I don't even know that I could accept my body for what it was in those early stages. But what I could do was stop hating it. And when you put up that boundary for yourself and you allow yourself to honor that, that brings up that confidence because now you've decided like, I'm just not going to be there anymore. And when you're not constantly beating yourself up, you're at a, you're naturally at a higher confidence level. Yes. And did you find, I certainly found um, that when I was deep in the anorexia and I was within that 5%, I was within the ideal body size standard for society, probably even below it quite a lot. Um, and I was terrified of gaining weight, terrified of recovery, terrified of not being accepted, of not being worthy. But 
I was actually reflecting on this today. At no point during living in the eating disorder, even at that malnourished, underweight size, did I ever actually feel worthy or acceptable or lovable or good enough then? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, do all these things to try and be beating ourselves up. But we never feel it. Even when we reach the goal weight, when we get the goal thing, it's it's not there. Yeah. Because that goal weight doesn't produce a feeling. What produces how we feel, that confidence, that pride, that love, that all comes from how we're talking to ourselves. Those sentences that we have in our head that tell you that you're not worthy or you are worthy is what produces a feeling. It is never the end result. It all comes from within. Yes. Yes. That's the journey. (laughs) What would you say, what advice would you give to our listeners if they're they're thinking, but I am not good enough, I'm not worthy, and I don't think I can shut this in a bitch up. I don't think I can shut her up because she's there all the time telling me how fat I am, how rubbish I am, how disgusting I am, what an absolute fuck up I am. Where would you say to start? Yeah. Well, first of all, you are worthy. We are all born worthy. Worthy is not something we earn or you have or you don't have. Everybody um, in this world is worthy. So start there with that thought, like I am worthy. And then also when you feel like, but I, this inner mean girl is so loud. She's always there. She's constantly telling me that I'm fat or I'm not good enough, or I can't do it. Whatever those words are for you, know that you can quiet her down. It is possible. And use me as an example of what is possible because she was really loud for me too. And I didn't think I would ever be able to break free of that. And I will be honest, she's not gone. She will never go away, but the power is in quieting her down, being able to turn down that volume when she pops back up, because even if it's not related to your body, she's going to pop up in some other element of your life. When I started my own business, she popped up in the same way that she did about my body. You're, you know, it's never going to work. You're not good enough. Look at everybody else. You're not going to be able to do that. Those same thoughts are always going to be there, but allowing yourself to build that resilience of standing up to her and just having some compassion for that voice. Who's trying to protect you. She's keeping you in a place that's safe, a place that you've always known. And just being able to stand up to her and say, I hear you. I'm not listening to you today. And the way that I like to think about it is if you're driving a car and she's there, she's always in the car with you. She's been driving that car. She drove my car for 20 years. Now she's in the backseat where she belongs. And when she when she speaks up and she's like crawling over the seats, trying to get that steering wheel again, 
I hear her and I just say not today. And I, and I push her back in the back seat where she belongs. And so in order to help you do this, this is one of the first things that I do with a lot of my clients is I have them write down their narrative. And this really helped me too. And the way that I would think about that was I had this story, like I think of like the old movies, like the black and white movies that had the, the projector wheel and it was just clicking and clicking and clicking. What was that real projecting on the screen? And I wrote down all of the thoughts that I had. So when you just allow yourself to get it out of your head and onto paper, and it is going to feel uncomfortable, some of the things you're going to be like, how do I think this about myself? But that's what you want to see. You want to bring that awareness to it. You want to acknowledge this is in my head right now. So write down all of those thoughts, write down that narrative, those stories that feel so real. And then one by one, I want you to note down, how does it make you feel? And notice, write down a one word feeling. How does each of those thoughts, each of those sentences that you play in your head over and over again, how does it make you feel? And anything that doesn't make you feel good, cross out, start to rewrite that story. And anytime that thought comes up, you are now aware of it because you brought your attention to it. So anytime that thought comes back up, you can be like, hold on. I know that this makes me feel this way and I'm not going to listen to that anymore. And you can bring yourself to what you want to say. And it's a practice. It's not overnight. It's a lot of practice, right? Yes. But it's being willing to come back to it, even when it feels hard. But I promise you, when you do, there is a way out. There certainly is. I find it's also really, really helpful to look at where those thoughts came from mm-hmm. and are they even yours? Because oh, yeah. our limiting beliefs are programmed into us yeah. and they're not our thoughts. They're not our beliefs. They can be from something as simple as watching a Disney princess who is in the be- with the beautiful societal figures that the standards that are set with the beautiful long hair and the perfect smile and the perfect eyes and just fits every ideal. And then there's the ugly sisters, mm-hmm. the ones that everybody hates, the baddies, the ones in the larger bodies, the ones with the less beautiful faces. And those, those things stick right from a really young age. You are taught that this is what makes you acceptable. This is what makes you loved. And if you're this, if you're in a bigger body, if you look different, if you're different in any way, if you don't conform, you're not acceptable and you're not lovable. Mm. And it's like this insidious, implicit bias that is just pervading children who are simply, and up to the age of, I think it's seven or eight, we don't have the analytical mind. Everything we learn is just we think it's fact, which is why little children believe so beautifully in Father Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's a great example of how you can change the belief too. If you can believe in Santa Claus, if you can believe in the Easter bunny, if you can believe in whatever your beliefs are that that Disney princess 
is the ideal body, you can also believe in something that makes you feel good. Absolutely. So much the journey to get there, which are small steps. They're very small steps. So how would you say if somebody's got like this narrative going on in their head that's telling them one thing and they don't know whether it is true or not true, mm-hmm. how would somebody know? So I asked them if they were to take it to a judge, would it be upheld? Would everybody in this world believe the same thing that they're believing? Because most of the time we can think of somebody who would not agree with that statement. You think I'm so fat. If you took that to your mom, to your partner, to your best friend, they wouldn't believe that. They would never say that to you. My inner bitch would then say, ah, but that's your mom. She's supposed to say that you're not fat. That's her job. But it's still one person that doesn't believe it. They wouldn't tell you it. So it's not a fact. Even if it's your mom. And I'm sure most of us could think of 10 people and that's on the low side. But to really be honest with yourself, because even that, well, it's just my mom. She's supposed to say that. I mean, I had those comments too, right? Or those thoughts too. But those are also just stories that we're telling ourselves. Why are we choosing to tell ourselves? Yeah, but my mom's supposed to say that versus maybe my mom's right. Yeah. Yeah. I get where you're coming from there. Um, I think because inside us and as as we were born I mean we were born pure and just full of love full of love for ourselves full of love for life so inside we are literally just pure love Mm -hmm. so if you're hearing those thoughts and you don't know if they're true or not if they make you feel less than and they don't make you feel loved then they're not true yes Yes. And do you want to continue those? I work with my clients a lot on that of like, how do the things that you say and do make you feel? Because a lot of the times, right, we feel an emotion. We feel sad. We feel frustrated. We feel down on ourselves. And a lot of the times we turn to food or we turn, you know, for me, it was, I'm going to go for a run. I wasn't running because I enjoyed running. I was running because I felt like I needed to punish myself for something. And that never made me feel good. I was never proud of that run because what that run was doing was punishing myself. So looking at do these things, do these decisions that you're, you're making or those sentences that you're saying to yourself, do they make you feel good? Do they make you feel proud? Would you say them to somebody else? That's a big one. Would you say them to a child? Oh, I think about that all the time. Would (laughs) I ever say that to my daughter, to my son? Oh, no. (laughs) Yet we choose, like nobody's forcing us to say it to ourselves. 
And even though it's been on repeat, we're still choosing that story because we're choosing to change it. Yeah, it's time to choose another story, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And it takes that honesty. It takes knowing I don't, I'm not feeling my best. I'm spending a lot of my time and energy towards hating myself, towards beating myself up, towards obsessing about food. I remember one time I was actually at the gym before I recovered. And I kind of think there was a dress hung up that somebody was grabbing a shower after the gym and then going somewhere. And, um, oh, where, I've got to try and get this straight in my head. I can't remember the situation that arose to say it, but somebody said something like, oh, that's such a beautiful dress. Um, I wouldn't look good in that. And somebody else said, well, you just have to tell yourself that you would look good and you have to tell yourself the nice things. And I said, yeah, but you can tell yourself those nice things all the time, but you know, they're all bullshit. You know that, I mean, I never believed them at all. Mm-hmm. And they looked at me like I had two heads and I had no idea. I didn't have, I just thought everybody just generally hated themselves. Mm. I had no clue that it was possible to love yourself. Yeah. But it was an option. Yeah. As far as I was concerned, if you loved yourself, you were arrogant and up your own ass and it was a really bad thing. So how would you answer somebody that says, well, I can't love myself because that's arrogance? Yeah. Again, you don't, especially if you've been hating yourself for so long, you don't need to love yourself right off the, right off the bat. You just need to not hate yourself. And I think to your point, like you couldn't take yourself, you couldn't say those sentences of, oh, well, I just look good in this. I'm just going to choose to look good in this. Like that didn't feel true to you. It didn't feel like a possibility at the time. (laughs) So you have to find a thought that's not that self-hatred that feels true to you. And maybe that is just, this dress is beautiful. I have a body and I can wear this dress or I have a body. Sometimes it's just, I have a body. As soon as you attach another word to that, you're putting a thought to it. Mm -hmm. So bring it to a very neutral spot. Again, we talked about the facts of the world. What are the facts? You have a body. You have a body that can wear a dress. You have a body that can go to that party. Great advice. Yeah. Start with neutrality. Yes. Yes. And that can also feel hard for people. I, I know that but you have to be willing to, to get there, to put up that flag to the, the hatred, the criticism, and just tell yourself not today. Today, I'm gonna bring it to this neutral spot. And I'm just gonna look at my body for my body. And I would encourage people, and this is very uncomfortable. I remember doing this and wanting to just cry because it felt so hard, but looking in the mirror and looking for the things 
that you liked, that you could appreciate, that you could acknowledge and not hate. Looking at your body and noticing what you didn't hate about it. Find something. Like my eyelashes are okay. Yes. Yeah. It gives you something to come back to. And the more you focus on something you like, or again, can just acknowledge or appreciate, the more you'll find things that you can acknowledge and appreciate. But the more you hate, the more you'll hate. Yes. Yeah. Really look and try, you know, find three things, find five things. You can do it. Even if it's like, oh, I just got my hair done. I really like my hair. Like, I like my eyelashes. My ears are pretty nicely shaped. Yeah, I've got straight teeth. Yeah, there you go. My 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 toes are in a nice little line. Yeah, mean <laughs> yeah. something about yourself. Otherwise, um, the hate will just keep compounding. Yeah, and then I guess you can move on to. My legs allow me to walk. Yes. 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 I just had a client the other day who was talking about that. She's very similar, has been dealing with body image and really struggling with self-hatred for a very long time. And we were talking about, okay, we're not going to hate your body today. What can you accept about your body? What can you acknowledge and appreciate? And those were her words. She's like, I have a body who's, which is able, I'm able to move it. I'm able to walk. I'm able to get out of bed. So sometimes just bringing it back to the very basics. I have a body that got me out of bed this morning that gets me to work, that allows me to bring in a paycheck to go out with my friends. That allows me to go out with my friends. So how could people work with you if they wouldn't like to? Yeah. So I work specifically um, one-on-one with individuals, um, usually women. Um, I've had a few male clients, but typically women. And if you're interested in this, if this is something that you're struggling with and my story resonates, um, I always offer a free consultation. And that really just allows me to hear your story and where you are and where you want to be. And my programs are completely customized. That's one thing I have learned from myself and my own comparison journey is that what works for one of us doesn't work for all of us. And so I, by hearing your story and what's been going on with you and where you want to be, I completely tailor an approach. And so by talking through it, with you, I'm able to do that for you right on that consultation call. So I would recommend you can find me at my website, which is wellness with Abby H sign up for a consultation there. Um, and if you just want to know more about me, um, I'm on Instagram at wellness with Abby H as well. Awesome. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well. So thank you. I just like to say to all the listeners, if If any of this is resonating with you and you are struggling with that inner mean girl, the the eating disorder voice, the inner bitch, they're just generally feeling like you can't be a valuable member of society because you just don't feel that you have that capability. I promise you, you do. 
And please reach out, work with Abby, work with me, work with, just reach out. There are so many great coaches out there and you don't have to stay stuck in this lonely, painful, and just generally dreadful place. Mm. There is so much to live for on the other side. It's amazing when you can learn, first of all, to accept yourself and have compassion for yourself. And eventually you can learn to love yourself and fuck me, that's good. (laughs) That feels amazing. So thank you so much for listening. Abby, do you have anything else you'd like to say to the listeners? I would just love to echo what you, you said that it is possible and to also add that you deserve it and the world deserves that version of you. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, everybody is worthy, as you said earlier. So thank you so much for listening. Abby, thank you so, so much for guesting here. It was just such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope that this shone a light for some of your listeners that it is possible to get out. It seems really dark, but there is a light. And when we look for that light, we will find it. Amazing. Yes. Yes. That light is just shining on everybody. We just have to open our eyes and let it into our hearts. So, right. Well, if you could please rate this podcast five stars, that allows me to reach more people and help more people. On my website, which the link is in the show notes, there is a free starting recovery survival guide, which just Go ahead, just start, take that step. And thank you so, so much for listening. I'm so grateful to all of you. Lots and lots of love. I'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do remember to give me a follow and a five-star rating. This will enable me to reach more people that need help. If you would like to talk to me about how to work with me and you're ready to take the next step, just check out my website at juliatrahane.com. Thank you for listening. I'm so grateful.